0: beginning a new series, the book of Romans. What an awesome book that God has given to us. And the thrust of the book uh, is simply the gospel. It, it goes into to great detail uh, about the depths of God's love and the word gospel means good news. And so what we have here it is a, a deep instruction manual that tells us about the good news, why we need the good news, what the good news is, and how about walking in the good news, we have life that is contagious, that God uses to touch other people. Now, some of this, uh, quite honestly, we're going to use our noggins. We're going to have to think uh, because it, it, can, it can really challenge us. But the riches that are, are contained in here... Uh, you know, for a preacher, it's like, you know, throw, you know, throwing a bone to a dog. You know, it's like, wow, this is great stuff. And, and so an encouragement as we look at this. And what, and what I'm going to try to do this morning is really impossible. Uh, I've entitled the message, A Quick Look at the Whole Book. Uh, you know, I had mentioned last week that as we start this series, that one guy, Martin Lloyd-Jones, well, I'd heard two things. Once, uh, One guy I heard said it took him 13 years to preach through the book. Another guy said 15 years. Either way, I probably got you all worried but uh, don't, you know, anyway, but uh, we're going to try to do an overview this morning. And uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, here we are, God. We need, Father, the good news, Lord. Your word tells us that we have an issue. It's a heart issue. And that that heart issue, it needs to be dealt with, Lord. Or we're headed to a place that's called eternal torment and condemnation. And the whole deal is, Father, that we're separated from you. But, Father, the gospel tells us, Lord, that it doesn't have to be that way. That you have given us hope. And I pray, Father, just as we take some time and and do an overview this morning, as we start, God, looking in your word in the book of Romans minister, God, speak to our hearts, God, feed us, Lord, as you say in Psalm 107, verse nine, that that, Lord, you give good things to the hungry and you satisfy the thirsty. And and Father, do that in our lives, Lord. We need you. Um, God, Help, help me, Father. I'm weak, but you're strong. I ask, Father, that the words are plain and, Father, that there's power and there's passion. And, Father, that you might just draw us, Lord, to you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, there had been many where God had touched their lives, and the gospel came alive as they began to read and study uh, the book of Romans. Uh, Father Augustine was one of the great thinkers of the early church, and as he was reading through Romans, God got a hold of his heart <laughs> and, and drew him to the truth of the gospel. A thousand years later, a guy named Martin Luther uh, that we know of, who the, the church had gotten to a point where it was about if you do this list, if you pay this much money, then you'll get to go to heaven. But Luther was troubled by a lot of that bad teaching that was going on in the church of that day. And as he was reading in Romans, he came to Romans 1 verse 17 that said, the just shall live by faith. And he began to understand that it's, it's by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And it, it made all the difference. And here's what he wrote. Luther wrote, Night and day I pondered Romans until I grasped the truth. I felt myself to be reborn. <laughs> he said, uh, At this passage of Paul became to me a gateway to heaven. Then a couple of centuries later, a guy named John Wesley was reading in Romans that God moved his heart. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken my sins away. John Calvin, uh, the great preacher and and scholar, wrote this about Romans. He said, when one gains a knowledge of this epistle, he has an entrance open to him to all the most hidden treasures of Scripture. And so as we take some time here, I just want to look at a couple of questions just as we open into this book. Uh The first one is, who wrote the book? Well, we start out the book, look in Romans chapter one. He starts out, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And what's he say? It's the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son. Paul uses the word servant here. The word literally could be translated slave or bond servant. And and in that day, it was a picture of a person who was considered to be property. He was not able to make decisions for himself. That was the master who told him what to do, who told him where to go. Every decision was made by someone else because He was a slave. He was a bond servant. He he was not able to call the shots for his own life. And as Paul starts out here, he says, hey, as I am writing this book, I want you to know that I am that type of servant. That I want my life to be directed by my master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that I am his servant. I am his bond slave. He is the one I want to call the shots in my life. He is the one I want to direct me and to lead me. And so as we start, we see that it's a guy who is sold out. The gospel has come alive to him. It's it's more than just what I do. It's it is who came to love me. The Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you. Let's turn to the chapter 15. As we think of who wrote the book and show an interesting note, you may have noticed, and and maybe you haven't, or excuse me, Romans 16, I said 15, chapter 16, last chapter, verse 22, we read, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord, maybe you hadn't noticed Tertius before in this book. He was evidently Paul's secretary. He was the one who has... As God got a hold of Paul and took those experiences and took those thoughts. And and, and, and he, he shared them verbally. And Tertius took those and he wrote down on paper. And I say this to say... Yes, Paul wrote the book, but it wasn't Paul alone. It was also Tertius who was writing, and, and through his style of writing and hearing Paul's words, it was a work that was completed and was done. But who was the true author of it all? It was through Paul. It was through Tertius writing it down. But the real author was the Spirit of God. Listen to this: is Second Peter chapter one, the last verse of that chapter, verse twenty-one. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm saying. Paul was carried along by the Holy Spirit as he voiced, as he shared the words. He was carried along by the Holy Spirit. Tertius, as as he took his pen and as he wrote the letters down on the page, it was the Holy Spirit who carried him along. And what we have here is God revealing His love to us in the gospel written in this book. And it was the Holy Spirit carrying along Paul, carrying along Tertius, and providing us with this wonderful treasure of Scripture, guys. (laughs) Now, not only who wrote the book, who received the book. Back to Romans 1. Look at verse 7. It says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His saints. They were in a powerful city, the most powerful city of that day, Rome, the great empire, and uh, uh, um, the Roman Empire, and, and then this great city where 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 you you went to, uh, to see political power, to see the emperor. To you know, it, it was the it was the jewel in the empire, that place, and and, and it was here. And, and yet, as we go through the book, there's evidence that. Paul never made it to Rome. So how did the Christians end up in Rome? Well, from best we can tell, when there was the great persecution and and believers were pushed out of Jerusalem, pushed out of of, of that place, that that they they scattered. And, And some of those believers ended up in Rome. And some of those believers under the power of God and the Holy Spirit banded together and began to share the gospel. And a church was formed. And Paul heard of that church, and Paul wanted to go to that church, and Paul had a passion to go there and to share the truth of God with that church. Um turn me uh or look at me at verse eleven. He shares his heart there in, in chapter one. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged. To each other's faith. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. I plan many times to come, but I've been preventing, prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the Gentiles. He said, I've not been able to come yet. I mean, this is one way of saying my schedule's not allowed me to. Maybe it's a way of saying, uh, you know, my financial my money's not allowed me to so you guys give a little bit and i'll get out there soon as i can to share with you now where was his heart going in in the process of going to rome where where was where did he feel god was calling him well turn back to romans 15 i know we were at 16 and 15 and we discover near the end of this book his heart and where god was sending him starting at verse 23 he says but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Since I've been longing for many years to see you, to see you guys in Rome, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. But he, he never got to go to Spain. And, and he was on a mission. He had taken up an offering to go to Jerusalem. The church was suffering. The church was in poverty and they needed help. And so he had come among the Gentiles and said, guys, give some, some money in order to help those of the saints who were poor to, uh, to encourage them. Uh, he was a missionary at heart. Paul's heart beat with the gospel. It was the heartbeat of his mission, as there's old Steve Green song, to to take the good news of Jesus Christ out to new places to share. Now, where did he write this? From what I tell from scholars, believe that he wrote it in Macedonia. He wrote it in the region of Corinth. Man, what a place. What a place to think about living in the power of God because we know that Corinth was a place. We talk about worldliness. It was a place where people really struggled with living day-to-day for Jesus. And they had got caught up in some immoral activities that were very visible and were damaging often to the reputation of the church. And and Paul came, of course, that's a different letter, as he spoke in Corinth. But as he shares in Romans, he's not about political correctness. He's about biblical correctness. And, and, And so he shares the truth of the gospel in details. His purpose, well, he had a personal and he had a doctrinal purposes. His personal purposes, he... In writing Romans, he he wanted them to know that he he wasn't some kind of con man, some kind of religious you know quack, and all of that, and, and and so he wanted to present to them who he really was, because there were enemies out there as, as before Paul came and and, and they were sowing some lies about Paul. Hey, you don't want this guy to come to your church, you, you, you know he's not faithful, and and all of these lies, and and so part of the purpose was it was a it was a type of Way to show these believers, these people, Paul's heart. Secondly was the doctrine that was shared. The the deep truths that are shared in this letter was a way of showing the power of the gospel. That Paul's goal was not to elevate himself. It was to elevate the gospel. It's not the messenger, it's the message that must go forth. And he's saying, man, when you're sick and you're sick in heart, the way to have that heart healed is through the gospel and through that gospel being carried out. That's the foundation. The foundation has to be in the good news of Jesus Christ. That's where, it's, that's where it is, guys. And so that brings us to the very message of the letter. Look at Romans 1, verse 16, 17, great verses. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. What's Paul say? He says, man, I don't want to be ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ because it is the, that word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite, you know. He says, it is the dynamite of God. It is the awesome power that everyone comes to salvation through. It is the news of Jesus Christ, that gospel message. And he says to everyone who believes, and he says... First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And of course, the Jews in that day had that storied history as God's chosen people, God's holy nation, God working down through history. But the Gentiles were seen as dogs. They, they were seen as unworthy. They, they were seen as the, the people on the wrong side of the track. Not the ones you want to associate with. Not the ones you want to live by or be near. But Paul said, hey, this message of the good news is for everybody. Not just the Jews. It's for those people we've looked at as being dogs. Not to God. God loves them. They are precious to God. And and that's the message that, that he wants to get across. And yet, as there's these deep doctrines, I think it's very interesting, as you get to the end of Romans, those last couple of chapters, Paul mentions by name 35 different people. Now, I don't think that's by accident. Because... Hey, I don't think Paul wants to say, you know, I love to preach. I love to bring forth the great truths of God. But let me tell you, it's always connected to somebody. It's never about just preaching. It's about the power of God in people's lives. And so he closes. He mentions all these precious people where the gospel had, had changed lives. You know, these thirty-five different lives they're changed. And he says, "Man, I miss these people. I love these people because God's at work in their lives. That 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 gospel that that passed through. Now, the message of the gospel. It's so powerful." And so impossible for us to fully grasp. Because we think of ourselves as long term projects. We think of ourselves. We're moving closer to God accepting me. I'm learning what it means to be a Christian. And as I learn more truth. As I do better things. As I make wiser choices. I'm going to impress God. You know he's going to look at me one day and say. Well you're getting better Todd. And you're almost there buddy. But that's not the message of the gospel. As we see in here, guys, and, and as the as the word is unfolded in, in weeks ahead, it's it's the word is justification. And here's the beauty of it. It is God looks at us and he he sees our sin man, he sees our condition and he sees our need. But the moment, the very instant that we place our trust Upon Jesus Christ and His work upon the cross of Calvary. At that moment, He looks at us and He says, Forgiven. Complete. Whole. New person. Hey guys, this is not a long-term project. It is an instantaneous change. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And it's that's the awesome work that he does. And, and there's some great, there, there is some uh, wonderful, uh, words of praise to God. I mean, Paul gets a preaching in here, guys, and he gets so pumped up, he gets so excited that he just starts praising God. He'll hit some places and he, he just takes off. God's so good, I just gotta start praising him. He'll have these praise sessions. Uh, just share a couple real quick here. Romans 8. Oh, what a great chapter of Scripture. He gets near the end of Romans 8. Man, he's sharing his great truths. And all of a sudden, he takes off just praising God. He gets down to verse 31. He says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He said, you know that old saying, one plus God's a majority. We'll forget the one. God's a majority. God, yeah. He's for me. He's not against me. And then he goes on. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Man, he's getting all excited. He's saying, God did not spare his son. So man, his blessings just pour out one after the other. That's our God. And then he says to us in, in the next verse, he, he shares, who will bring any charge against those Whom God has chosen. It's God who justifies. He says man who's the accuser. No you you don't get it. You're forgiven. And then he says who is he that condemns. Christ Jesus who died. He says more than that. Was raised to life. Is sitting at the right hand of God. And is also interceding for us. He says man. He's up there. He's at the right hand of God and He's forgiving you and He's praying for you. Man, He's getting all excited. He's getting pumped. he, he He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, As it's written for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He goes on, He says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Man, you talk about... That ought to just, man, that ought to just give you joy. Hey, we're more than conquerors. We're not defeated. And then he closes the beautiful chapter. He says, I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth. Or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He said, nothing can separate me from God's love! Man, how can you not have a praise session? Now, now you get over to chapter 11, and he closes that chapter. Listen to verses 33 through 36. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who's ever given to God? God should repay him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. He says, I'm going to give all my strength. What little glory I have, it's his glory. That's that's Paul, man. As, As he shares his heart, as he shares praise, chapters one through eight, faith is emphasized. Chapters nine through eleven, there's the hope of Israel. Uh some deep stuff that that is shared and and through it all uh sin is exposed, sin is conquered, sin explained, and sin is forgiven. You know, so often uh one of the verses we tend to quote all the time, first John one nine is a great verse, but it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all of sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. But as, as you look in here and in Chapter six through eight, he says, guys, you don't have to live defeated. You you don't have to live where you're constantly having to say, man, I need to confess, I need to confess, I need to confess. In chapter six through eight, he says, you were a slave to sin. But thanks be to God, he's made you a slave to righteousness through Jesus Christ. Hey, the the mark of your life, the pattern of your life doesn't have to be sin and defeat. He said, I'm going to give you victory. Victory. You know, I love that. As you look in the gospel message, it says this. Through the gospel, guys, the power of sin is destroyed. What is sin? It's separation. Separates us from God. <laughs> Separates us from His blessings. And it is depressing to be separated from God and His blessings. But, but hey, he, he says that power is taken away. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Not only the power taken away, the practice of sin. Man, we don't have to be slaves to that sinful nature. Romans 6 says is so beautiful in the Scriptures. He talks about, no, there is a power that God gives through His Holy Spirit where we do not have to be slaves to a, a practice of sin. That doesn't have to mark our lives. That doesn't have to be the habit of how we live. But instead, there's victory that is available in how we live. And then the last part here, the blessing, is the presence of sin. Praise be to God through Jesus Christ that when I die and I pass from here to there... There'll be no sin. The presence of sin will be removed. Man, all this is shared. As you go through Romans, there's all this great hope, so much blessing, and and just so much encouragement that's shared. Uh, One more verse here as I get ready to close this thing out Romans 3 24 and 25, or 25, 26. Romans 3 25, 26. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one Who justifies those who have faith in Christ Jesus? That word atonement is also a word similar to a word we use called acquittal, which is a declaration that those who are guilty are made right, are considered innocent. And that's what God does. We're guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 For the wages of sin is death. 6.23 But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift that he provides gives us eternal life in Jesus Christ, guys. And what is so beautiful is in that justification is it would be mercy if God just overlooked our sins. Or, or said, okay, I'll just kind of pass by I'll just ignore the sin. Not give it a lot of thought, push, you know, push it out of my mind. But that's not what he gives. Atonement, acquittal is not just mercy. It's not just looking over our sin. It's not just ignoring our sin. Justice happened at the cross. My sin, your sin, it was paid for there. Do you understand? It's more than mercy. It is justice. My sins were paid for in full at Calvary. And, and and guys, that makes all the difference. As I close, I want to use the illustration of Charles Ryrie had used uh, years ago another preacher that shows it's just all grace. Grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Uh, Ryrie says, imagine a man who Ended up going to court, and he owed a $100. He's destitute. He doesn't have any money. He's got five kids who literally are starving. He's got a wife who is an invalid. And he owes this $100, but he just doesn't have it. And he tells this hardship story, and I mean he tugs on everybody's heartstrings. So much so that they do an unorthodox thing in court. It looks more like church. They take up a love offering (laughs) for this guy. And in the process, uh, they take up $99.95. And they give $99.95 to the judge. And he counts it out. And he says, you know, this is so close. But it's just not enough. The law says unless your crime is paid in full, then you have to go to jail. And so, you know, the guy's walking out of the courtroom, you know, and they you know, they got him, you know, as he's headed to jail, and he, he digs deep down in his pockets, and he pulls out a nickel. And so he runs up there before the judge, he puts the nickel down, he goes, I'm free, I'm free, paid in full. Now, Ryrie says this. He says, when he thinks about his freedom, does he think about the $99.95 given on his behalf? Or is his mind caught up in that nickel? Guys, our little bit of good works is the nickel. It's not enough. That's why it says in Ephesians, in that great passage in 2, 8 through 10, um, no one can boast. (laughs) It's not about going up to heaven and saying, let me show you my list. It's never been that way. It's the gospel. It's about Calvary. You know, uh, Thomas shared it from uh, Galatians 6.14 earlier. Those great words of Paul where he said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ, by whom I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. <laughs> it's the gospel. And, and as we look at Romans, you're going to see more and more. The power of the gospel that is the salvation to everyone who believes. And that's all of us. And that's all that aren't in here. And 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 that's the answer. People being changed by the gospel. That's what it's about. We're going to have, you know, what we call an invitation, a time to respond. It has to do with that power of the gospel. Maybe you've, you know, there's an old saying, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, I heard the gospel, and praise God one day, I heard the gospel. Maybe this is one of those days where you heard. The gospel, Man, we would love to to pray with you and celebrate with you as a church body to enter into the family of God because it, it's only through the gospel. It's only through the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe your life has just taken a turn and, and you've gotten away from that heartbeat of the gospel. You know, Paul was a missionary. and we think of a missionary, as somebody that goes the other side of the world, but a missionary is everybody in one sense. Maybe going across the street or next door or... The person we work with or the person that we're involved uh, with uh, some activity with maybe our kids. I don't know. But we're we're missionaries and and we're called to go and maybe just lost sight of that. And and, and, and God wants to excite us about the gospel because that's what it is. We have an altar open to pray, be at the front. We want to stand. We want to sing. Basically, we just want to do what God wants. So let's pray and then we'll sing. God, uh, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, I just come to you, and I just confess, you're it, Lord. You know, kind of like Peter, when everybody was leaving, and you'd shared those hard words, and, and Lord, you looked at Peter and said, you want to leave too? And he said, where else am I going to go, Lord? You're the one that has life, and, uh. That's what we're getting at, Lord. Um, You're the one that has life. Speak to us and wherever we are, Lord, uh, deal with us that we may follow you as you as you touch our hearts and you call us to yourself, Lord. This is not about church. This is about Christ getting a hold of us and making us the church because church is not something we do. Church is who we are. As Jesus gets a hold of us. And brings us into right relationship with him. So Father do that work this morning. As we stand. As we sing. As we obey. May you work Lord in our lives. In Jesus name. Amen.